0: Hey there, welcome to the What Connects Us Podcast, where we explore human connection with people in the province. Today we're chatting with Justin Lee about how starting Buckets and Borders has combined his passions to push him outside of his comfort zone and help build the community. It's our season finale, so let's tip things off. All right, it's the last episode of 2021 and of season four of the What Connects Us podcast. We have heard some journeys that have taken Saskatchewanians from South America to Las Vegas and have heard stories ranging from finding purpose after losing a child to finding footing after starting a new business. It has been another empowering, emotional, and educational season, and we've got one more episode for you before we take a holiday break. Today, we're talking with Justin Lee, who combined his passion for travel and connecting with different cultures with his love for sport to begin Buckets and Borders, a nonprofit organization that utilizes basketball to bring people together and build community. Justin is going to tell us all about the inspiration for the initiative, the highs and lows of starting a nonprofit organization and community leadership, and all about their first big impact in the community through the Lakeview project. If you've met Justin before, you know that he has such a chill vibe to him, but you can sense that underlying fire and passion to leave things better than the way he found it. He has such an ease to him, but I promise that you won't find a harder worker. And I'm excited for him to share with you how he's been able to not just revitalize a basketball court, but engage, unite, inspire, and energize a younger generation to give back. So let's waste no more time and get to the conversation. What connects us to Justin? Let's find out. Justin Lee welcome to the podcast. Hello thanks for having me really excited
1: to be here you guys have had some pretty awesome guests so I'm excited to uh hang
0: out with you. Yeah absolutely you're awesome as well we are really close to the holidays coming up here any big plans?
1: Nothing crazy Uh, my brother just moved to Vancouver about six months ago and Mm -hmm. he's going to be coming home uh so going to be kind of kicking it around here might uh head out and do some cross-country skiing type thing, oh, wow. but uh, that's uh, that's
0: about it. Right on. So speaking of your brother, you're a twin. What is Christmas like growing up with the twin? Are you like given the same gifts? Like I know sometimes parents dress you up in the same outfits or anything like that. What was that like for you?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um, so we were never the twins that were dressed in the same outfits <laughs> yeah. all the time, so I can confirm that. Uh, however, we have very similar Interests, yeah. Um, so basketball and sports are a big part of our life. So we never got the same gifts, but I think what I always remember is like we'd open them at the same time. Okay, so you'd be kind of like looking across the <laughs> room to <just> see <laughs> yeah. to see if you got like one upped, right? And sometimes you know maybe he got know something that i liked more or whatever and we do some tradesies behind the scenes Nice, yeah um, but yeah it was uh it was always a bit of a like yeah keep keeping your eye open on on the brother's gifts right and, and it was just the two of us so there's no other other kids so yeah. just just
0: the twins were you tight growing up or like were you like the friends or the twins that were like friends in high school or were you like the the mortal enemies of each other
1: no we were we were always tight and remain so to the day mm-hmm. um i think that was i mean we've gone down an entirely different career paths and have different interests in that regards, I guess, mm-hmm. and different personalities, but we have uh, a lot of the sh- same shared interests. And um, I think it's pretty unique growing up with a brother that has the same interests cause yeah. there's just always something to do with them. Don't get me wrong. We had battles guess, <laughs> yeah, as, as, as twins, like a lot. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I think they kind of contributed to our, our term friendship.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So that's just a part of your story. Give me some background on, uh, who you are so we can better understand your story.
1: Uh, yeah, so I am, uh, my name is Justin, obviously. Um, grew up in Regina, Saskatchewan. Um, I have lived here kind of throughout the majority of my adolescence, but then um, left for college, played college, ho- college hoops in Alberta for a few years, and then went to the U of S to finish my business degree um, at the University of Saskatchewan. And then my brother and I kind of lived around the world for a number of years, backpacking, traveling, which um, really kind of um, resulted in a lot of our shared interests and hobbies that we work on to this day. Um, And professionally, I'm the general manager and partner at Path Cowork. I sit on the board for Saskatchewan Young Professionals and Entrepreneurs for the last almost four years. Uh, And also sat on the board for Jordan Community Basketball Association, actually just stepped down after four years with that, which is great. Um, Really amazing organization. And yeah, I am the co-founder of Buckets and Borders, which um, is a newly founded nonprofit organization, but has been kind of kicking around in the back end for quite a few years.
0: Yeah, for sure. So when you're talking about backpacking and and living abroad, so was that, were you like living from place to place or like, were you traveling? What kind of, what did that look like? We
1: did a few stints, so kind of after, so my brother finished playing university football and I finished playing college hoops and we took a year off together and just kind of backpacked aimlessly. And that was our big kind of first trip. And then we came back. And I went to school in France for six months cool. and lived there as part of a program through the US. And then we did a couple of stints where we would just like bartend or um kind of stay in a place for a month or two, make a few extra shekels. Yeah. And uh <laughs> and then uh go to the next destination. So a lot of a lot of hopping around and nowhere outside of France for more than
0: kind of a few month period. Very cool. What sparked like the travel bug for you?
1: Uh, my mom loved to travel growing up. So she would always tell us stories and she always had these cool backpacks in the basement that we would, um, play with. So I think she's definitely the, uh, travel inspiration. And I think both of us, um, even just growing up in the basketball community, I think, um, the luxury of, of basketball as a sport is you're really exposed to a lot of different cultures. Mm. And I think because of some of our friends growing up and, and that nature it really got us interested in, you know, learning and seeing the places around the world that a lot of our friends were um, had those cultures kind of affiliated with them.
0: Totally. So we'll talk about how this, these are going to collide your your interest in cultures and traveling as well as basketball. So let's start real quickly with a little bit more of in depth history with um, with basketball for you and how that led into buckets and borders. So tell me why the game is so important for you. So
1: my the reason why basketball is important. For me, is, I mean, it's, it's kind of been in our family um, for a long time. My dad was a basketball player, loved it growing up, and he was the one who really introduced us to basketball. Um, actually, my my brother started playing basketball the, kind of the first year. I think we were probably I don't know six years old, something like that. Cool. Uh, he played basketball, and I played hockey, and we were at Sportcheck, and uh, the new Vince Carter and One shoes came out. <laughs> nice, and. Uh, I thought they were the coolest things in the world, but I was playing hockey at the time. And my dad was like, well, you know, if you quit hockey and play basketball I'll, I'll buy you these sneakers and then and then he threw on a pair of nike basketball shorts on top of it so i yeah. thought this was like the greatest deal known to mankind
0: <laughs> yeah. is it ever
1: meanwhile he saved like thousands of dollars on, on yeah, hockey. totally to and he's to a basketball. former basketball player so exactly yeah. and then um from there he coached us uh, kind of through throughout our really young years in elementary school and stuff and uh we just got really integrated in the amazing Regina basketball community, kind of starting in RCBA to playing on different club teams, uh, and then a kind of big core group of us um, played basketball at uh, Luther, which was kind of our full group of kids who played on different traveling teams and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, yeah, we won the national or not national championship. <laughs> I wish that doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. uh, we won the high school championship uh, for Regina in right. our in our uh, grade. Uh, 12 year, which was um, really cool, and yeah. then I had the opportunity to play for a couple of years in at Medicine Hat College, cool. um, which I think you know was kind of um, I wasn't this amazing player or anything um, like that, but I think was kind of a cool thing to you know make it to that next level. Totally, it um, wasn't the uh, the long term aspirations of making it to the NBA, but yeah.
0: uh, it was uh, <laughs> definitely a good second prize. Awesome, and we haven't yet touched about like the. The most prestigious tournament that you play in each year, and that is—I forget what the name of it is. This is—you yeah. know what I'm talking about, yeah, right?
1: So, so you're talking about the the tournament out at the lake. I am talking about yeah, the tournament so, at the so lake. The, so the MTIT, the May Long Invitational. <laughs> it's uh, it's very very prestigious, and only um, the best the best hoopers are invited <laughs> of, of course. No, it's uh, yeah, we have uh, our kind of, for whatever reason, my friend group who I played in uh, in Alberta with. A lot of them were from Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the guys that I grew up with, um, out of my cabin in Clear Lake, Manitoba, um, are all kind of affiliated with the same friends that I played basketball with mm-hmm. in Alberta. So we kind of created this half um, Manitoba, half Saskatchewan tournament, and mm. we've got guys everywhere from who you know have barely played and just like basketball to guys who have played pro, and and uh, so the. Yeah, the talent pool is um, <laughs> yeah. is is very diverse. Yeah, you do like drafts and like highlight tapes and all this sort of stuff. Oh right? yeah, it's it's a production. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. we got Muns Media and my good friend Brett Anderson, who also runs a videography company in in Winnipeg. So right. Tanner, Getz, and Brett come together and make this ridiculous kind of wrap up video. So cool every year, um, which kind of just adds to the shenanigans and our our draft and yeah. the, and all that stuff. So yes,
0: it's a uh, it's quite a. Quite a spectacle. And if we know anything about Saskatchewan and Manitoba, the rivalry there, you could turn like a game of like jacks into something that feels like it's the big leagues. That's awesome. So tell me a little bit about Buckets and Borders and the inspiration behind it.
1: Yeah. So uh, Buckets and Borders is a nonprofit organization that uh, uses basketball to bring people together and improve communities. Um, that's kind of our current mission as a nonprofit. But I think the story goes back to about 2015 and um, that was really kind of our first backpack trip for my brother and I and we really just organically the first city that we went to we would bring our basketball and our sneakers and a camera and we would play basketball on any courts that we could find and um, what kind of started to happen was we would pretty much make that the goal and the initiative of every city that we went to 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 play on a court to meet the locals via um, via playing hoops and which often led to, you know, new friendships and all those things. And as that kinda, you know, just became part of our natural routine, we almost started to feel that something was taking place. So um, we kind of created a little mini brand and our thing was just slapping stickers on backboards and taking photos of the people on the courts. Uh, wherever we were in the world. Um, So it started kind of really organically, but then we started kind of telling the stories through uh, a blog and my brother loves photography. So he would take Mm. pictures everywhere. And, um, you know, I think for us, something really powerful started to take place at some point in time where, you know, it's a pretty powerful experience when you're on the court and you can't speak the same language. You have a totally different background, but Basketball itself becomes a commonality, becomes yeah. a common language, um, and you can communicate um, in in a certain way. So, um, I think that's really the foundation of what Buckets and Borders is: is that you know basketball is this kind of global language that mm-hmm. that connects people, and um, yeah, that's kind of how it all kicked off
0: yeah and that's the best part about sports too like you may not know this person sitting beside you at a rider game for instance but um you have a shared passion for a sport if you're cheering for the same team like it's something that just unites people which is super cool like how do you say like foul or like how do you communicate rules with different with different people across the world
1: totally which i think is like the the coolest part about that. So like it comes down to like facial expressions and kind of like <laughs> yeah. deal with your hands or like, but like there is even like certain movements, like somebody gets crossed up and like everybody laughs. Yeah. Or on. It's like it kind of is y- your way to, to connect via like avenues of physical movement. Yeah. Um, which, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we kind of, you know, that was the, the start of, of that. And we probably did that for, you know, the course of five years. And Um, You know, many of our good friends kind of got involved and it really was just a fun side project to, you know, play on as many courts as we could. And then kind of the transition point was um, we had both moved home to Regina after um, both not living here for maybe six years. And we were both kind of going into our professional careers. I just graduated from uh, university and my brother was going into medical school. Mm. And we were like, well, we, have got something cool here. And, um, we'd kind of you know, built a group of friends that, um, really supported it and, um, were involved with it. And we had this name buckets and borders and we're like, well, like, you know, let's, let's turn this into a nonprofit organization. And I think that started to be a conversation we were having maybe for the last couple of years. Like how do we maybe turn this into, right. Into something. And then, um, Essentially our, you know, kind of first court that we grew up on playing um, in Lakeview, um, dubbed the cage, um, is where our kind of core friend group grew up playing. Um, So we all kind of came together as a kind of core, like seven or eight of us and decided that um, we wanted that to be the first Buckets and Mortars project.
0: Yeah. So tell me a little bit about that. Tell me about um, what really sparked the Lakeview project where you go from being like, this is so cool that we have this history on this court to let's revitalize it. Let's, let's make this buckets and borders first project.
1: So I think one of the things that we experienced in other countries is that courts are really activated as community hubs Mm. and they're not just courts. And I think like, especially in hotter places and things like that, where it's almost like there's just this like 360 kind of activation going around the courts. You know, there's people barbecuing on the side. There's people playing (laughs) hoops, somebody's, you know, um, playing playing music, all those types of things. So um, our thought process was, well, firstly, the cage had become totally beat up and sucked to play on, wow. and not a lot of people were using it, and it used to be used a ton. Um, and then secondly, we thought that, you know, activating a space in a really positive way that, you know, isn't only for basketball and kind of activates the community via colors and murals, which are some of the things that we were definitely inspired by th- from some of the courts we played on. Overseas we're like, well, let's let's do this to this court and like, let's, you know, make this one of the most iconic courts in the prairies mm-hmm. by, you know, making it look totally different than anything else that exists.
0: Cool. And tell me about the, the colors, because like if anybody has seen Buckets and Borders branding, it's it's vibrant, it's really bright and like it draws you in right away. So tell me about the inspiration, about the use of the colors and how you wanted to inject that into one of Regina's courts.
1: Totally. So the the brand colors um, came from uh, a long, long creative session with uh, <laughs> with Lucas Howlett, um, who is one of our main volunteers um, and our director of design at Buckets and Borders. Mm. And he does um, pretty much everything design related. So it would have been, I think, 2016 when we officially made our first logo, which was meant for stickers. Right. Um, but we essentially... Wanted to create something that celebrated multiculturalism, um, that was bright, was inviting, and we kind of created our circle logo to to represent all the different countries that we had traveled to, um, and all the vibrant cultures that we had been um, coming into um, to to knowing um, were kind of represented through these colors and you know just the the vibrancy and positive um, flavor that these things give us really kind of remind us of, um, all those different countries that we went to.
0: Yeah. So cool. So you go from having this really cool idea. Like it's one thing, I think a lot of people get stuck on this next step of like, let's do this, let's do this. But then to actually take the step to do it, you end up running into like some weird obstacles or permits, different things like this. Did you have to get city approval or like what kind of process did you have to follow on this?
1: It was a long process. Oh, was um, it? Yeah, it was definitely um, a learning curve because we didn't really know where to start. Um, and it probably actually started three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. We initially had this plan to put a court in uh, Wascana Park, um, which had a million bureaucratic kind of steps to, to get through. Um, so we decided to shift our focus. And it would have been 2018 when we had started having conversations with the city, Um, And then we quickly learned that this actually wasn't on city land, but they essentially gave us approval to, Mm. you know, touch base with the public school boards, which it's on their land. And then once we knew that, we essentially connected with them and had to get written approval from the public school board. Um, And then from there, they were honestly just incredibly supportive um, and kind of gave us that written approval. We had to make sure that we were, you know, getting all the right city street permits if we were blocking everything off and and all those things but it was pretty much a direct conversation with public school boards got them on board their maintenance staff really helped us out a lot
0: throughout the way Um, and then we were kind of off to the races that's awesome that they were able to jump in and say like okay let's try this with you so how did you source the funding required to make this possible like what streams do you utilize to generate all this capital
1: great question um and i think yeah like getting buy-in is, is super interesting when you haven't done anything yet. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and especially when it's a group of guys that are essentially like, Hey, we want to like throw a crazy amount of paint on the ground and it's going to (laughs) cost 85 grand. Totally. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so we were really fortunate that, uh, we kind of had three core groups support the initiative right off the bat, one of which is Jason Drummond, Mm. who um, has close ties to the basketball community. Um, And he also went to Sheldon Williams, which is where um, the court is kind of located on those premises. And then the Leo's group, um, who I'm interconnected with, um, and they, you know, really wanted to support something in the Lakeview community. And that's kind of where their first pub was. And they really care about giving back. And then the third kind of pillar to start was the Gear Up with John Ryan Foundation. Mm. So John Ryan um, also went to Sheldon, so there was a natural tie there. And Scott Love, um, who has um, essentially been a key part of running that organization for the last I think decade or so, um, also went to Sheldon and really supported the project. So we kind of started off by getting that foundation of essentially thirty grand to kick things off, right. Um, and then I think by having that, it gave other sponsors and, and grant applications uh, the confidence that, you know, we weren't starting from nothing. Right. Um, so, yeah, I think really important to kind of get that foundation, mm-hmm. um, get people to believe in you, show that we're legitimate. And then um, the rest really came from, honestly, so many different avenues of support throughout the community, which was really almost. Overwhelming, how much yeah. support we got! I think you know. So we, as a nonprofit, um, through port can write um, tax receipts. So mm-hmm. we had you know anywhere from one hundred to five thousand dollars individual donors mm. who just kind of you know out of nowhere with no expectation for any sponsorship glory or anything like that, mm-hmm. um, just donate through the website, which which is really cool. And then we had kind of some of our other major sponsors, um, Sastel, um, BLS Asphalt, Sherwin-Williams is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the city of Regina, um, we received the new initiative grant, which uh, was super important for kind of getting over the edge as well.
0: Yeah, so tell me about this grant, because you're, you're so smart in how many different revenue streams, like on top of this, we haven't even talked about, like you had a retail arm about this as well. So tell me a little bit about, utilizing this grant because I think grants are things that people may not know a lot about and some would be like, oh, there there might be a grant for this. And then to be able to do the research and and the work in order to make that happen. So tell me a little bit about this process and how it supported you.
1: Yeah. So the grant um, that we applied for at the city of Regina, we applied for, I think three um, in other for other organizations. And this was the one that we were successful with. So I think with grants, you kind of just need to apply, mm-hmm. um, which is more work than we anticipated. But this specific um, new initiative grant, uh, the process was really great. Um, it's kind of criteria. Um, so they have two wings. One is cultural and one is sports and recreations. So we wow. were on the sports and recreation side, um, and we submitted our application. They were um, really great throughout the process. Um, and then um, they pretty much just make once you apply, like you don't have any kind of second word or presentation that you give, you kind of, you know, give the material that you have and then their adjudication committee makes that decision. And then right. you get, you get actually an, uh, a letter. Um, so, it was, it was, okay. so it's kind of stressful. Yeah. Um, so you that, had like the
0: whole moment where you open the letter and like you read it, like almost like a college acceptance thing.
1: Totally. So I was actually at Path Cowork, um, in the middle of the pandemic, nobody else was there. And I got the, uh, got the envelope and it was either like I was I was nervous because I knew it was either gonna be a no or yeah. you know a, a considerable amount of cash. <laughs> totally. Um, so I, I opened it up and we and we received the the large side of the of the grant. Oh, awesome. and, um, I did like a Michael Jordan run and jump <laughs> celebration, um, by by myself. And, yeah. Because uh, it, it was a big one for us. Because um, I think you know we had actually planned to to do it the year before. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know had that initial funding, but then COVID hit and we kind of had to halt the entire operation. So yeah. um, that was a big kind of get over the hump grant yeah. for us and financial um, opportunity for us. Um, so yeah, I think grants are great. There is a lot of them. And I think that um, there's definitely people out there who are grant wizards and, and know a lot about them, but you really need to hunt for them and find them
0: because they are out there yeah. and they exist, but uh, it's not
1: always easy to find
0: okay let's take a quick time out from the action to build a little context on what we were just talking about so justin mentioned just how important securing a grant was in order for the lakeview project to actually happen and he talked about how there are in his words grant wizards who know a lot about them and can help you secure them so let's introduce you to travis Gonsagi, a manager of small business here at connexus and one of our grant wizards to break
2: down how you can utilize them to generate funding take it away travis absolutely mason i can definitely provide some clarity around grants Grants, first off, are funds given by a government or other organization aimed at a particular purpose. By offering grants, governments or other organizations aim to aid businesses in their ability to deliver a product or a service that benefits the greater good by offering funds that typically come without uh, obligation to repay. This is much different than a normal loan situation that do have that repayment obligation. Grants that can be an essential source of generating seed money to either start a business, expand a business, or support a business through through a challenging time. The three typical scenarios that we will see a grant are um, the first aims at strengthening or establish business, business activity within a certain sector. An example of this would be the Saskatchewan Lean Improvement Grant or SLIM grant. This is a grant that provides funding to agribusinesses for infrastructure projects that improve productivity or efficiency. The second grant scenario is where funds are meant to encourage economic activity from an underrepresented group. An example of this would be the Clarence Campo Development Fund, which aims to stimulate economic development activities for Métis people. And finally, the third grant scenario is where the funds are aimed at supporting businesses during a challenging time, like the current pandemic we face today. Regardless of which scenario the grant falls into, it's typically laid out how these grant funds are to be utilized. There are a lot, There's lots of information out there available on grants, so I encourage all business owners to do their research. Check those government websites and ask your advisor team, including your financial partner, if they're aware of any grants available. In Saskatchewan, we tend to lean on resources such as the Chamber of Commerce, Square One, Wesk, Futurepreneur, Clarence Campo and others, is these are organizations that are a great source of information as it relates to grants.
0: Hey, thanks Travis. Grants are things we never think of, but they can truly be the deal breaker for whether an initiative can get off the ground. With that context in mind, let's get back to our interview with Justin. So all of this is awesome. We're talking very much process focused. I wanna hear from you in terms of how you are feeling how are you feeling throughout this process? Is this feeling overwhelming? Is this exciting still? What, where are you in here?
1: So it was really a two year process because of COVID. Um, and that timeline time essentially got dragged out an additional year. So I think um, in that point in time when we'd really only raised you know 25% of the funds, it was a question mark of, you know can we make this happen? What's gonna happen in a year? Where's our volunteer team gonna be at? Um, but then when we, you know, things started to get better with COVID and we hit um, this previous spring or I guess about November last year when we decided to do the launch, we just said like, we are not going to let anything not allow us to finish this project. Part of the reason why we are confident to complete it was just the community support from the very beginning, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, came in many forms from simple DMs to phone calls to large checks um, to people willing to volunteer, their time. So I think we really felt um, as though we could raise the money based on the amount of positive feedback that we got. And we already had some working operational capital to to kick things off and start purchasing and ordering some of the things that we needed. So I think this time around in the second phase in the last year, our team felt very confident. Definitely a lot of times like, oh man, are we going to Pull this off mm-hmm. and, and like, is it going to look like we've p- part of the like challenging thing of having such an amazing graphic designer like Lucas is, you know, he makes everything look so good. Mm-hmm. And then at one point, I think we were certain, like, well, like, is, is this court going to be, you know, yeah. as cool looking as we've made it out to be? Right. Uh, and thankfully, I, I think it is. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, overall, I think we were, um, you know, we learned a ton throughout the process and uh, it was uh, something I think we all felt confident about, but we all were very new to it and kind of running, on, running around with our heads cut off and not knowing exactly what we were doing yeah. and somehow pulled it off.
0: So. so do you feel pressure? Like you're talking about how generous people are being. You're talking about people writing checks without asking for anything in return. And as as awesome as that feels to to be leading a project that people believe in, did that result in some pressure in order to make this as special as others were expecting it to be?
1: I would say that when when people start, you know, making personal donations and you start to receive checks that uh, it's exactly that you feel, um, you know, very f- grateful. But at the same time, there's a degree of pressure that certainly comes with it and um, that, you know, you now have. People's funds, and and they, you know, don't only believe in the project; they believe in you to execute the project. Right. So I think um, that's definitely. We had a couple of like, we need to make sure this happens now because we have, you know, raised a pretty good amount of money. So um, yeah, I think it definitely increases the the degree of expectation, right. which in my mind is kind of why we were able to, um, you know, execute at a better level and bring more people on to help.
0: Right. Totally. What was it like to announce your first major project as Buckets and Borders that started as one thing and then as it started to grow and you're ready to make this first step in this major project, what was that like to share that with people? I
1: think it was really cool to see a project come to life in a way that we never totally thought it might. And I think transitioning from just, you know, posting a photo of, shooting hoops to in Argentina to, you know, saying we're going to do something for our community was super gratifying. Um, and I think we didn't expect the amount of positive feedback that we got right. from our first post. Um, and, you know, we don't have crazy followers or anything <laughs> like that, but <laughs> yeah. I think from a social media perspective in Regina, um, it was kind of everywhere for a couple of days and it was just all really positive, authentic kind mm-hmm. of shares and feedback and all those types of things. So it was it was really exciting. And I think our team, um, you know, we definitely all got together on the on the day that we launched and we're really excited. And it was one of those like, wow, we're excited. And then, wow, again, back to the like expectations. <laughs> yeah, we, like, do this, we, yeah. we, we better pull this off. Time to yeah. show up
0: now. Yeah. yeah, I can definitely speak to it. It was everywhere for a couple of days. And I think what led to it as well was obviously COVID was like taking a run or making raining on everybody's parade. And it was nice to see others kind of say, you know what, I know this is happening at this moment, but let's do something to help build the community. And I think after COVID, people want to jump on board even more knowing how important community is. And I think you guys really tapped into that. So you were able to truly help build the community by involving the community as you had a number of people helping out and you're, you're saying we a lot which i really appreciate but tell me who this we is how did you support this or source the support and what was that like
1: yeah so um it definitely was a 100 we and um, um our team and the community was a huge part of pulling it off so um as much certainly much more than myself our volunteer team was incredible i don't want to miss anyone but um, ben Similak, Ian Patterson, Riley Sisko, my brother, Jordan Pine, Lucas Howlett, Phoebe Deeseman, who sits on our board, uh, Sarmad Mika, um, a crazy amount of contractors that, you know, gave us yeah. incredible deals to, um, you know, have sponsorship in kind um, were really the key kind of parts to pulling it off. And I would say, you know, for a lot of our team, um, and I hope I didn't miss any anyone there if I did sorry guess. Um, <laughs> but, uh, it, it really was like a summertime f- full part-time gig and yeah. that everybody was, um, putting in so much work and extra help. Uh, Trevor, Trevor and Kimball who run Kenora designs, they really help us, um, pull off all of our apparel and, and all that stuff. So that was a huge part of our fundraising campaign. Um, but yeah, I think having multiple activations, um, through, whether it was the apparel or the, social content or really you know, um, showcasing the colors of the courts and all those things um, helped us kind of get that momentum and also um, led to a lot more people asking to get involved. And there's so many people that helped in in so many different ways, which I think kind of had that you know, ripple effect of then bringing their friends to get involved and yeah. asking how, how they can do so or, or things like that.
0: Yeah, so what did that mean to you? Like I've been a part of projects where you are sourcing all this support and they're starting to buy in and you start to feel a little bit of pressure being like, I want to pull this off for them as well. What did it mean to you to be able to share and collaborate with people on an initiative that you had started years before and and really um, want to show up for them?
1: Yeah, so I, I think um, obviously wanting to show up for those people that have really bought in is important, but I think it really transitioned into – the core people involved, the real core volunteers on the BNB team, you know, were showing up for BNB and it had really transitioned into a fun project, into an organization of people that truly care. Yeah. So I think it turned into much more of like, it was a never just a me thing. It was like an army of people that, you know, would, would go to bat to, to make this thing happen. So awesome. I think that made it so much more comforting and knowing that no matter what, um, everybody on the team was, was playing their role, was delegating things, was, you know, introducing new community partners, all those, um, types of things was, was so, so important. It almost certainly took pressure off me because it was no longer, like it certainly wasn't a Justin thing. It was, right. a, it was a team thing and there was no, there's no face to buckets and borders. Totally. Like it was like, it was a team approach to it and more of a brand approach, which I think made it so much more community driven
0: yeah um, did you ever reach a point where you felt like oh my god what did I get myself into
1: I don't think I had it like oh man we shouldn't have done this moment there was definitely I would say the most stressful part of the entire project was um, so we we ended up using like 300 gallons of paint whoa a like crazy amount of yeah. paint and so we ordered half of that and based on what we were recommended and then um we had done that two weeks before the grand opening and we ran out on the second day and Mm -hmm. still had like, we had only done maybe three quarters of the court. um, And the type of paint that we needed came from Chicago. So it was backed up on order. And then um, we didn't end up getting our second order of paint until like Wednesday night at 10 o'clock and big shout out to the Sherwin Williams (laughs) crew and and anybody that needs to buy paint. They like, went so to bad for us like they literally dropped off paint at 10 30 on a wednesday night oh cool and we did the like graveyard shift painted until 2 30 <laughs> 3 30 in the morning yeah and then the next weekend finished the the fire the next day finished the final coat because then uh um the grand opening was yeah. was on the saturday so it was just like it was really n- nerve-wracking selling this vision of what the court's going to look like, yeah. but then not totally having all the paint to make it look like that. <laughs> yeah. It was like, we can't hold the grand opening and and uh, and have like half a painted court here. Just yeah. just wouldn't work for the vision that we've been selling. But right. thankfully, uh, yeah, it all kind of came together, which I think you know is the nature of projects like this, the nature of entrepreneurship, all of those things that often things do kind of um, come together at the last minute. But I think that was one of those reminders of like the team being behind this and and not just our like really close-knit volunteer team then the kind of core people but like we had like maybe 30 people of extended family friends other players on different basketball teams whatever just like show up that night and grab a paintbrush uh, and and get to work so um that was pretty cool
0: yeah that's almost like in a weird way always the best part about events when something goes wrong and everybody has that like moment of panic but the opportunity to see people come in and save the day and you just really value those those people and those organizations like Sherwood Williams but then also like 10 years from now that's gonna be one of the first things you reminisce about is remember at 3 a.m on the Wednesday before we were painting. And I think that's where a lot of like the fun memories and stuff will come from.
1: Totally. hundred percent. None, none of the super easy stuff will be remembered. It's more so the the
0: things that took a lot of hard work. Totally. So you talked about, uh, the grand opening festival, which was so cool. Take me to launch day. What was that like for you?
1: Launch day was really cool. I would say, uh, surreal. Um, and that, you know, when you work on something so hard and it's kind of finally, um, that day that it does, does feel a little hectic, uh, for me personally, it was really cool because I had a lot of really good friends that, uh, have been involved in kind of my basketball journey, flying in from Toronto and Calgary and Winnipeg and Vancouver. And, um, so I had such an amazing support uh, network, not just of, you know, our core team and my family in Regina, but, um, so many amazing people coming in for that day and then everything after that was pretty much just like mayhem i barely <laughs> remember having conversations with people um i think about 1500 people showed up throughout the day um you know, there was food trucks and DJs and street dancers. And a barber. An on-site barber shop, yeah. um, which uh, I, I don't know. I, I didn't get a cut, but uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I would have liked it's to. It's Andy Chung. He, yes. did, he did some good work. Yes, yeah. as, as always. Yeah. Um, but uh, and, and I mean, that was like another kind of community piece to that day of like being reminded how much of a community project mm-hmm. it was. Because, you know, you had three or four food trucks and then you had, you know, Eddie and his team at vibes yqr showing up and then you had the cougars at the university and hoop life and jamal and kai williams at jack who are doing kids camps in the morning Uh, and then andy chung and then our merch tent um so was just like such a kind of positive circus
0: of local um stores and and people um and it matches what you kind of the inspiration behind it when you're traveling that like it's not just a basketball court. There are so many different things in the peripherals, uh, and that really shows the community impact and kind of sparked this entire thing. So it's kind of see, c- kind of really cool to see the how that ended up mirroring each other.
1: Totally, and I think you know a big inspiration of buckets and borders is the affiliated cultures of basketball, and that kind of was supposed to be represented. On that day from everything from you know sneakers and hip-hop and yeah. streetwear yeah. um, and playing basketball and just bringing people together so i think um yeah the, the day couldn't have gone any better um, we were actually blessed by the rain because um, the buckets and borders team of our core volunteers was going to go on and play against all the young gun <laughs> coo- young gun cougars and then yeah. it, like just about as we were stepping on on the court it it started raining and i was the first one to be like oh well you know yeah. it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, it's too we, dangerous out we there we have taken them yeah but <laughs> i guess we win um, <laughs> yeah exactly um so yeah it was uh the day couldn't have gone better i mean i think it was cool even i know the vendors um you know they sold a lot of stuff and yeah. they had um a good day so it really kind of um Felt like a festival and um, there was, yeah, just so many amazing people there. And yeah. um, we sold a lot of merch, which is cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was an amazing day.
0: Yeah, we walked over after a volleyball tournament right after the slam dunk competition. And there was just like a buzz. Like, even as we're walking up, the the colors of the court stood out. People walking out just felt so like we're talking about how this is a revitalization project during COVID-19 it's nice to see when people feel like buzzed about something happening in the community so 100% there was an energy to that day and it's so cool to see like something like that come to fruition so what were or looking back now what emotions stick out when you think about the Lakeview project
1: uh well thank you for the kind comments and happy you had fun at the the grand (laughs) opening um I think the first thing that, that comes to mind is, you know, obviously community and, and team. Um, I think that, you know, it may sound cliche, but it's it just really was such a humbling and amazing experience to, to watch a community come together and a lot of hard work um, pay off. And I think, um, you know, just watching something come to fruition that, you know, had been in the processes for many years, but we maybe didn't know it was just a, a really unique profound um, experience and I think the coolest thing for me was um, people who I didn't know coming up to me or coming up to um, the BNB team and, and just saying thank you yeah. um, and just seeing how supportive people were um, really just like yeah hit home and yeah. um, made uh, made all of us feel really really proud about the project.
0: Awesome did you have a moment on the day of, like it's madness, it's chaos when you're at the head of something where there's so many different people involved and so many different stakeholders and vendors. Did you have a moment just to pause and look around and think, yeah, this started as a fun project that is turning into something really meaningful?
1: To be honest, I don't think I did during the day right? um, in like the best way possible in just running around chatting with different people. Um, But our team uh, popped a bottle of champagne Um, a couple of cigars were had on the court (laughs) after, after the grand opening and we all just sat at center court and, um, you know, just kind of reminisced. And that was the first kind of like, whew like we actually, we actually did Did it. Um, so, uh, I think that was a really, really special moment. A lot of people have put a lot of hard work, um, were predominantly there. And, uh, yeah, that was that was pretty special, especially because the day went pretty good. There was no major hiccups. Yeah, um, which um, I think you have more experience than I do in organizing events, but
0: is always the worry. Oh, totally. That's something is going to come and just absolutely ruin this. So it's nice to look back and be like, OK, deep breath. We crushed this. So did you ever obviously not right now because there's snow on the ground, but do you ever just drive by the Lakeview? Or the cage and see to see if anybody's playing on it oh big time
1: yeah like anytime i'm in the neighborhood yeah yeah, yeah my parents live right by there I, I live downtown so i'm not i'm not far yeah um but yeah and, and I've, I've played there a lot since and i think that's actually probably been the most gratifying thing yeah um i remember so it was about it was about a week after the grand opening um and a group of about four or five of us showed up and i kid you not this is like eight o'clock on a monday night beautiful summer night like 25 degrees at eight or nine o'clock there was like 75 people at the courts yeah and like every single court kind of had their own crowd but every single court was playing different music so like you walked in and like it like kind of I was like man like where are we Uh, um and the cool thing was like um you know I actually didn't know a lot of the people and and there's a lot of people from different ends of the city um but there's just such a vibe and probably the first time I've ever had to like Call a court and like call next. and like wait wait for next, which <laughs> yeah. is which is cool. As like oh, this like literally feels like hooping in in New York City type yeah. thing.
0: Yeah, you almost um, forget where you are a little bit, even what country you're in, if there's so many different cultures playing around you.
1: Yeah. No, there there was one moment, and I like I was pretty close to shedding a tear. It was so we actually did. We had about a two week break in between the first layer of paint, and then when we finished it. Yeah. Um, but we had finished all of our work on the Saturday, and then we had all kind of like gone out and celebrated and um and then i drove by the sunday night when it wasn't even like fully done but there was just kids playing on it and there was like 20 kids on the court and two full court games are going and i was just kind of like oh like this is why we're doing this yeah type thing um so that was probably my like moment of oh man this is this is neat
0: oh that's awesome it feels like you never know what you're sparking when you're when you're doing things like this this project like you could have somebody who were who was not as passionate about basketball, but trying it out because there's this brand new court or it looks cool. And that might spark something that could lead to their leadership and development growing up.
1: Totally. Thank you. And I we, uh, we definitely hope that that's the long term goal and helps a lot of kids out whether they like basketball or not.
0: Absolutely. Tell me about the biggest lows throughout this process. Something that if I'm thinking about doing a project or something like that, something that I should be aware of um, or or lessons learned along the way?
1: Ooh, good question. Um, I would say that
0: get enough paint, g- get, <laughs> get enough paint is, is, yeah. re- is
1: really important. Um, but I, th- I think we did a really good job at really focusing in on a budget. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like, like any project um, that always can, can be a challenge and making sure, you know, you're not overspending and, and things of that nature but um one thing that you know i think maybe stressed us out throughout the process was obviously reaching our goal um and i think some you know challenges were had there but i think um the moral of that story is is, is really important to like have that foundation of of your kind of key supporters to help you get to that next level so that like doesn't get to you to you know you have three months and you haven't raised all the funds mm-hmm. and you need to finish this project. And I know actually a group that um, I've befriended in uh, the UK who was doing a similar project and they totally ran out of cash yep. um, in the middle of their project. And they pretty much had to like do a GoFundMe and, right. and all this stuff. So I think um, we were really fortunate to like plan ahead and make sure that that didn't happen and almost make sure we were secure enough to like make the announcement, yep. which otherwise I think would have been, Um, the biggest challenge and then to be honest like there was there wasn't a lot of lows uh, throughout the process partially just because we built a team with a lot of different skill sets Yeah, Um, and I think there was really no moment where anybody like wasn't pulling their weight Mm -hmm. so by having you know different people with different skills and videography and design and project management and construction um, we didn't really hit a lot of those like kind of sad, terrifying moments. Like it was honestly a really positive process and um, nothing like really crazy other than um, really the paint was kind of like our biggest scary moment. Yeah,
0: love that. Okay, so tying it all together, how do you balance buckets and borders with your work, your relationships, and the rest of your life to make sure that your passion isn't overtaking some of the things that you really need to, to focus on as well? Great
1: question. So um I think um I'm in a really great position that um, you know, my role professionally at Path Cowork um naturally is pretty community involved. Um and so I think um, you know, we certainly supported it as as a business, but I think it never was something that I had to kinda, you know, I was really good with managing my time efficiently. Um and, you know, yeah, that means that you have to, you know, do buckets and borders stuff in the evenings and, yeah. and do, you know, your, your real job in, in the day. But, um, I think for me, it, it actually made me better professionally yeah. because the amount of stuff that, you know, in a lot of ways running a non-for-profit is very similar to running a business, but it's actually probably more challenging because you need more buy-in and board yeah. approval and, you all that stuff. So I think I was actually really learning great things, even from, you know, the sales end of running the online shop to, you know, the thought of delegating and and things of that nature that I think um, I actually found a really good flow and balance um, between the two that you know kind of um, helped me think on that community minded piece or path but then also could kind of you know have a really creative outlet um, outside of work which ultimately I think kind of gave me that uh, extra kind of you know just Happen my step yep. in in the office as well.
0: You're so right. It's it's like a fast track to learning and development when it comes to maybe you're not a manager or something like that in your regular job, but as through this community leadership, you're you're grabbing that learning and development through something that you're incredibly passionate about that you can bring it back to your your day to day job and level that up as well. Um, how meaningful is it for you to meld your passion for travel and connecting with people from different cultures through basketball and your community?
1: Uh, I think it's everything. I mean, it's pretty cool when you can kind of see like a lot of the things that you really love come together as, as one big thing. And I think even, you know, from the path entrepreneurial creation side of, you know, being able to build something, um, collectively with a group, Um, but also, um, you know, being able to tie in some of those, not so regularly tied into your work, like basketball and things that are generally much so more volunteer, but in a way that, um, you know, is in an organized fashion is, is pretty cool. And so, um, I think, yeah, it's, you know, to have a project that, um, you know, kind of inspires and requires to do the things, um, that I really love, which are traveling and, and basketball is is pretty cool to know that there's like actually a outlet to do that yeah. and a and a story to tell uh, through those outlets, which I think is ultimately
0: how this all got created. For sure. Tell me about your newest initiative, Ball for All.
1: <clears throat> uh, yeah, Ball for All. Uh, we launched uh, about. Three two weeks ago, Mm -hmm. Um, so very new, um, and the concept is really simple. Uh, We just want to provide, essentially we want to provide kids who may not have the opportunity to fall in love with the game of basketball like we did, um, the opportunity to do so. So the initiative will provide uh, basketballs for youth across the province, and we've partnered with Canada Basketball and Basketball Saskatchewan to complete the initiative, and then the way that we're going to frame it out is essentially we'll have partner recipients that receive these different basketballs throughout the province. Um, so one of our partners, um, which is Living Skies Indigenous Basketball League, um, Paige and Mike on their team are amazing. And we've done some work with them. And, um, one of the reasons why they're such a great, um, team to work with is they're actually on a provincial level. So, so they're a pretty new league, um, but they operate in almost 10 or 11 different areas throughout the province uh, via the friendship centers. Mm -hmm. Um, So they're kind of this amazing distribution network for all these balls to go to. And then we partnered directly with Scott collegiate who are essentially going to have like a ball for all bucket. That's just going to be there. Kids can take balls. They can take them home. Cool. um, Those types of things. Yeah. We've uh, launched a a parallel line with it um, and that's been pretty successful. We're doing, a kind of on top of our initial bucket um, that we're investing in along with um, Canada Basketball and BSI is that you can buy one ball on our website and we'll donate two more and kind of add those to the bucket. So we've kind of set a goal of a thousand basketballs. Yeah. And we will order them in the next couple months and then distribute them uh, throughout, uh, throughout the spring.
0: So cool. Just putting like a ball in someone's hands could change their entire trajectory. And for people who be underprivileged or s- someone who's never experienced the game of basketball to empower them to at least try it how w- the difference that it can make in their lives
1: yeah i agree And i think for us that like this was a bit of, the, of an x's and o's scenario and that you know we realized we built this extra court but then we had some really powerful conversations with um some inner city leaders and yeah. you know they said you know they're the fact that there's courts is great but a lot of these kids literally don't have basketballs yeah And then that kind of got us thinking, we're like, well, like we've we've got the concept of courts. Like, why don't we, this is obviously a natural tie-in to a basketball program as well.
0: Yeah. And look at your story. It started with you looking at a pair of Vince Carter shoes. And that has like, fast forward so many years, it's impacted your life in such a great way. You may be doing this for someone else just by giving them access to a ball.
1: I hope so. That'd be very cool. Yeah. And maybe one maybe one day, somebody with a Buckets and Borders ball will go to the NBA. Amazing. And that'll, and that'll be a memory. Yeah, that'll be I, awesome. I hope so.
0: Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> so outside of this, what's next for Buckets and Borders?
1: Uh, so we've got a couple of things in the works. Um, so first, uh, we're with our media partner at Munz Media. We're doing a three-part docuseries. Cool. Um, so shout out to Direct West and Sass Milk, who sponsored the the initiative. Um, and it's going to be a three-part docuseries. series. First, kind of telling the story of Buckets and Borders, but then the real kind of meat of the project is telling the story of the basketball community that exists in Regina. Cool. Um, so we're really telling, we've done about 40 interviews, um, wow. and it's kind of everybody from, you know, some of your local heroes and coaches that has been have been in communities um, forever to your cougar greats who, you know, won national championships. Right. and. And things like that. So we are uh, working on finalizing that up. The MUNS team has about I don't know 30 hours of interviews <laughs> yeah. to, to oh, go fun. through. Yeah, yeah. It sounds sounds exhilarating. <laughs> See, I, I I like being on your end and just asking the questions. And totally. Say, okay, you guys go and, <laughs> and edit edit this now. But yeah. uh, so our plan um, is to launch that in January. Mm-hmm. Um, and we will be doing that um, hopefully end of January, and then cool. we intend to um, make another announcement um, about our kind of second big project, which we are still kind of getting approvals on and working mm-hmm. on, but uh, certainly have some some cool things in the works.
0: I am intrigued. That's awesome, and I can't wait to check that out. Um, aside from Buckets and Borders, what's next for Justin? Uh, good question.
1: Um I am, uh, as mentioned, general manager at PATH CoWork, and we're just uh, in the process of uh, starting construction on our new location. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to be adding another location uh, in downtown Regina, which is really exciting. Um, so that and Christmas time is coming around, mm-hmm. and fingers crossed with COVID, bought tickets to Columbia um, oh, for, awesome. for February. Both my brother and I turned 30. Nice. Um, twins, obviously. Yeah. Um. So we're uh we're gonna try to go to Columbia if that's yeah. if that's cool in uh, February.
0: Awesome. Um, so that's uh definitely a big thing that uh, I'm looking forward yeah, to. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, final question before we jump into some speed questions, reflecting back on the beginning of your journey with Buckets and Borders, what have you learned about yourself?
1: I have learned that. It's a lot more fun to c- do cool things with people by your side. Yeah, um, I've learned that I think um, you know if you bring the right people together, you learn from them, they support you. Um, that that is really the catalyst to to really grow things and take things from ideation to um, the outcome that you want. Yeah, uh, and I think for me, I've you know personally just learned that stuff like this makes me feel really good and um, it's going to be. You know, Buckets and Borders certainly will be something that plays a role in, in my life and um, that, you know, impact-driven initiatives like this are are really exciting and and just make me feel good. Yeah. You know, makes, makes the old ticker feel good.
0: Yeah, I love that. So before we let you go, I'm going to hit you with some speed round questions. Um, these are on a c- completely different level, a little bit more surface level, but they're okay. still fun nonetheless. Um, first question, favorite aisle in the grocery store? Ooh. I'm a big fruit guy. Okay. Yeah. 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 I, I like so the uh,
2: produce
1: yeah, and p- produce. You know, dive into some bananas. <laughs> yeah. You know, check the old avocado section. <laughs> see if see if they're uh, ripe or not. They're ripe or not. Yeah. 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 So I, I like that. I mean, obviously, um, yeah. I've become a big bubbly guy. Yeah. Well, good one. So the 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 bubble aisle is pretty pretty, yeah. co- pretty colorful yeah. so so naturally fun yeah.
0: <laughs> love that favorite pair of twins other than you and your brother
1: probably the Morris twins who okay. um are both in the NBA yeah and they really took the whole twin thing to the next level yeah. and they actually have ma- like they have like neck tats and both like leg and arm sleeves and right. but they got the same tats like everywhere yeah it's so like they have the, literally the same <laughs> X tattoo as one as on the same arm type thing so yeah. Um, they really went for it and it's kinda cool to see um, some twins in the league.
0: Imagine going out one night and making an impulsive bad decision that you have to get a tattoo and then having to explain to your twin <laughs> that they have to get the exact same one.
1: I like that. I, I kinda yeah. wish that uh, I, I could do that to my brother.
0: Next question, a song that you never get sick of. I'd probably say Circles
1: okay. by, by Mac Miller. Yeah, Big Mac Miller guy. Yeah, uh, Also my like favorite song of all time and favorite hip hop artist of all time. Um is common. So it's yeah. on go cool. is like a is a big time Love that. Uh, repeat button for me. Cool. Guilty pleasure of yours. Hmm. You know what a, a guilty pleasure that I recently gotten into that I dropped for years or didn't even really know was that, but I've been I've been dabbling with the with the egos on the weekends. Okay. Yeah. Here and there. Yeah. 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 Some some blueberry ego action. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're so easy, Matt. Yeah, they're a little too easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Lego my ego. Um, what's your comfort food?
1: Uh, comfort food, big pizza guy. Okay. So, solo Italia. Nice. Um, also, also love burgers. Can't, yeah. Can't go wrong yeah, with yeah, yeah, yeah. burger. Big barbecue guy. And uh, to be honest, I'm, I'm more, I'm much more of a, like, I'm not like a go to a McDonald's burger type of guy. I'm a no. big, like make, a. Barbecue, good end. barbecue burger. Do it with some like grilled pineapples, yeah. blue cheese, mushrooms. Okay. Really like gourmet, yeah, gour- gourmet burger city for nice, sure. Nice,
0: gotcha. Yeah. I'm the opposite. My favorite burgers are like rink burgers, the one that you can taste the grease and do smell hockey rink when you're eating it.
1: They, they are definitely good, they yeah. hit different, in, 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 they do hit different, different capacity.
0: Yeah. yeah, um, second last question favorite social media,
1: probably bleacher
0: report. Okay.
1: Um, actually, take that back. Uh, Asphalt Chronicles um, is ran by a guy named Kevin Coolio, okay, and he's kind of the godfather of basketball photography and right. street art. Yeah. Um, so I actually I bought his magazine when I was, um, I think, in like second year university, and we've since like become Instagram buddies. We we talk oh, cool. and stuff, and yeah. um, never met him in person, but he um, was a big influence on buckets and Borders, and he's kind of like that OG flavor of capturing real street basketball so cool. his uh his page that I would recommend um big time even just from a photography perspective he lives in paris and travels all over the world nice. um, really cool
0: uh last question for you what connects us what connects us
1: uh i th- think activating space for people to feel comfortable to talk to each other feels cool connects us, I think that um, I have certainly, even you know, through the form of B and B or the cage or whatever, um, have felt that like space activation is super important. I think yeah. even you know at Path, that um, your new Connexus office, I think creating comfortable places that allows people to connect yeah. is when it really, really takes place and is much more authentic and vulnerable and real um, when it's in a place that people feel. Um, obliged to to talk about things rather than kind of forced.
0: Yeah, great answer, Justin. Thank you so much for taking some time today. Whether you're admiring the Lakeview Project or Buckets and Borders work from afar, or you're close to it and you can see just how much work and passion you guys are putting into this, it you can agree that this is such an amazing project that it's going to impact so many different people. Personally, you're so humble. You don't say I I did this. I did this. Everything is we. You're such a great leader and. So many people are going to listen to this and and hopefully are inspired to, to make some great changes um, for the community as well. So thanks for joining us.
1: Cool. Well, thank you so much for, for having me. You're awesome. And shout out to uh, everybody that helped out with this project in any capacity because there were, uh, were many people.
0: Awesome. Well, that's it for a chat with Justin and for this season of the What Connects Is podcast. We'll be back in January with a new episode. But until then, if you like the podcast, please do us a favor and hit that subscribe or follow button. Leave a review of the podcast and share the podcast with a friend or on social media. This has been an amazing season. And I want to thank Greg, Felipe, Andrew, Katie, Carla and Justin for their vulnerability and their courage in sharing these stories with us. I want to thank you for listening and hope you have a happy holidays. We'll be back in January for season five of the What Connects Is podcast. Let's connect then.